There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, hello, hello from East Ham, which I'm hoping to show in a very positive light today. But this isn't a particularly auspicious start. We are next to the 899 buffet poster for what I'm sure is an excellent fast food joint, a few feet away from some rubbish bins tucked down a side street next to a white van. <laughs> it can only improve from here. We're going to be exploring the area with Sue Sinton-Smith of Footprints of London, also with Rachel Matthews from East Blam and Liz Clough from Red Bull Studios. Hi. 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 Have I bigged up the area sufficiently, do you think? Oh, yeah, I think it's definitely <laughs> going to improve from now on. <laughs> uh, Sue, maybe we should start with what is Footprints of London? Oh, well, Footprints of London is a cooperative of guides and we do walking tours mainly for Londoners but anybody else is welcome and we go around places where maybe other people might not go and pick out interesting stories and things to look at. So what's the collective idea here? Is this uh, you, you market yourselves together or you share a particular area or how does that work? Well we're all um, professional guides so we've all done guiding qualifications which I think is important and we work together to put on festivals, market our things together, we share tweets and Facebook posts and sort of take turns to market things i guess and go on each other's walks generally support each other and yeah that's it (laughs) Uh, rachel how do you know this woman Uh, well actually i met sue um via so i wrote a local blog about east ham which i started when i moved into the area 18 months ago because there wasn't much information on east ham on the internet certainly not positive information and so i thought well as i discover it maybe i'll publish it so i set up a twitter feed for east bram and Sue contacted me and said, oh, hey, there's, did you know that there is a, a residence association in the area that meet regularly? B, that we're trying to set up a few community activities, and C, that I do a guided tour of East Ham, would you like to come along? So I came along to the tour, and then we went and had a cup of tea and talked about kind of what was happening in East Ham, got roped into the residence association and a few other initiatives, and, uh, and the rest is history, so... So you, you came to the area, uh, did you arrive here and think, I am determined to be positive? Is it, is it sort of fresh starts? Let's put a, a, a bright light on it. No, no, not at all. Um, arrived, we chose to move to the area because we liked it, but the something that's really noticeable about East Ham is if you are moving to the area, first thing you tend to do is Google it, and what you tend to find is a lot of negative press, 
and I'm, we knew that we liked the area, that we wanted to move here, that we'd seen a lot of things that were interesting, but there was nothing on the internet telling you that. So then when other people Googled the area, all they, all they got was negativity. So it wasn't really about putting a positive spin on something. It was about telling people what was already here and showing them what was already happening that maybe they didn't know about. Since we've got a public relations trough to climb out of then, should we, should we start really bad? What sort of things have you read about the area then? What was the negativity? Um, there were this, I think when you, when you Google it, you get news first. And so news stories tend to be about crime in the area. So if you Google, is East Ham, the first thing that comes up is safe. And I think that's because people are seeking the information that isn't readily available. So I don't think it's necessarily... There was loads of kind of really terrible stories, just that news is the first thing that Google finds you. And so then you tend to get the negative stories because there's not that many published that are positive. Liz, your studio event space thing... Yeah. As you build it before we started recording. Yeah. Which, which you might have honed by now. Red Door is what? <laughs> it is a shared artist studio building with a public space, which is open sometimes, not all the time. And um, and I um, came upon it by accident a few years ago, mostly because I've always worked in Newham. Or as long as I've been in London, I've worked in Newham. And I ended up falling in love with it and being asked to take it on as my own project. So... That's what it is. How did, how did that happen? How, how did you get that somebody happen? to ask you to take a thing? Because um, it sounds like you were already in love with this thing and then someone went, yeah. oh, well, just have this. Well, thing. actually, the first time I walked in, um, I met um, the lady that was running it originally and because there was a yard sale there and I lived not far away, so I went to have a look. And she, it was one of the first things she said to me, bizarrely, uh, we need someone to take this on because we're moving to Kazakhstan. <laughs> And then, and I actually did. It was bizarre. It was, yeah. but I actually didn't end up actually taking it on for about another year and a half. But I just was involved and helped out, and things changed, and eventually they left, and and I did. So that's, that's, it, that's really. possibly one of the weirdest origin stories I've ever heard. It's what ha- it's always it's what happens to me all the time. That's how I get jobs, honestly. <laughs> just through people moving to Kazakhstan. Through people just saying things to me like that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so, and we're, we're heading your way today, aren't we? That's the, that's the general direction of travel. Yeah, via a few other things, yeah. I guess. Yeah, we're going to have a look around, and we're going to add that positive uh, shine. Not a positive spin. We're going to be uh, revealing the positive side to yeah. East Ham. Well, so let's let's make a start. We're just over the road from the station here. What's the first feature that you would direct our attention towards? Well, we usually start at the station because um, before the railways came, this was completely rural, so there were fields everywhere. And then the station was built for the London, Tilbury and South End line in 1854 and um, rebuilt for the district line in 1902. And so you can still see it's quite an attractive building. It's a very low-slung affair up a slight rise. I do get the impression around here there is a general flatness. We're at a crossroads and we can see pretty levelly and pre- pretty much in straight lines everywhere. Um, yeah, I guess. There are lots of... Well, it doesn't sound like you agree with me very wholeheartedly. <laughs> well, yeah, straight lines. Oh, no, are you going to be, di- are you going to be a diplomatic tour guide? <laughs> diplomatic tour guide? I'm learning about that. Rachel, um, Rachel Kolsky wouldn't be standing for any of this. She'd be putting me in my place uh, immediately. <laughs> well, yeah, we've got rows and rows of um, traditional terraced housing, which is what attracted me to the area. Looking for a, a small house... And there are loads of them around here, so it was just about affordable as well. How long did you say you've been a East Ham resident? Getting on for three years, so not that long. So you're all fairly, yeah. fairly fresh to the area, then. 
we are. Over we go. We've got Burgess Road. This way. And uh, we're being directed away from Burgess Road. <laughs> and we're off up the main street, High Street North. Right. Now, we would stop if we were doing the tour we would stop more often but Burgess we, we, Road we are sort of doing the tour <laughs> Burgess don't Road tell Sue she doesn't know where um, one of the famous residents of East Ham was born Bert Whedon Bert Whedon was somebody who was he was born in 1920 and his dad was a train driver so that was very handy um, very handy for living there and he was a guitarist he wanted to make the guitar the star of the show and he um, worked with the Shadows and loads of different people. But his main famous thing was he wrote this, um, like a manual, teach yourself guitar manual called Play in a Day. And it was um, something that uh, lots of famous guitarists like John Lennon, Paul McCartney, people like that, they all learned how to play guitar using this manual. So you picture them all in their bedrooms, strumming away. And he got an OBE for... Um, his services to music and we're off down Latham Road right now we have left the uh, quite a few fast food places on the high street there and the pace is more sedate I think we have a school to our right in a very interesting building tall towers domed like a Turkish Hogwarts <laughs> yes, yeah, so this is um, Latham Road Junior School and it was built in 1898 to celebrate Queen Victoria's Diamond Jubilee and it's, it's tall as you see, it's four form entry it's got 17 classrooms and it has recently had a brand new extension which is sadly taking up a big chunk of the original playground which is a bit of a shame but they copied, this was Essex at the time and they copied the London School Board's idea of building up because the land was needed for housing loads and loads of houses being built the east ham was the fastest growing area in the country in the 1890s so the houses were being built really really fast but they needed the places for school so a bit like now really demand for housing space and so now we're building houses up instead of schools now how does that work you've got the district line i think you said uh, very early uh, in the 20th century arriving the housing all springing up just a couple of years earlier and presumably lots of building in process as the tube arrives where are all the residents of these houses working? They're working in the docks on the railway some of them also in factories so we've got not far away we've got um, Tate and Lyle sugar factory so in my house the people in the first census I could find they were sugar boilers so it was a sugar boiler and his family. Was part or some of these ham built for the middle classes as well? Because I thought that um, there's quite big Victorian houses in there as well, like quite a lot of streets. And I read that they built it in one go as a kind of new town. Like not all of it, obviously. There's yeah. lots of like dockers, cottages, and things like that as well. But I think that's quite interesting that it was built kind of and Central Park's quite like built, yeah, quite close together because he. And the Central Park Estate um, was built on land which was um, built up by the Burgess family. And Erno Burgess was a paymaster general with the East India Company. And his descendants developed the area. But if you look at the houses, they sort of ha- they're in kind of sets of four quite often. And they're different designs. So people would buy a plot of land, build a few houses on it, and then buy another plot 
and then they rented out they were quite often clerks and um, skilled workers so they're quite well built houses we noticed that when we bought ours because we looked on the plans and it said that the first plot was bought in 1900 and then each house kind of on the road had like a different date of like five years, ten years later and, and we wondered whether that was the case, that, that people had bought a space and then gradually built up the houses. So if you have a look there you can see like the carvings around the house, the sort of doors there and if you just look across to the other side of Caulfield Road then there's a sort of much more geometric shape I guess yeah it's funny I was noticing this uh, somewhere in North London I was today exactly the same thing where the the windows of one house and and the next house they're clearly the same age but just of an annoyingly different design to one another and you think you know how how did that happen you can notice it on some of the roads around Central Park where they've got different I don't know what they're called the stone the stone kind of decorations Mm. on the front of the houses and Henneker have got one they've got like crosses and a little porthole and um, Montpellier and the others are different is that just the same about the architecture maybe yeah yeah, I think so. Yeah, because they're quite a lot with the cross yeah. shape, aren't there, in your street? Yeah, a builder's signature. Something that's quickly become apparent is there is a lot of terraced housing here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and this is just street after street. Like, quite a lot of them are really beautiful, and as, as they've been kind of done up over the years, some of the original features have been lost, but then what you're seeing at the moment is quite a lot of people maybe digging up their front garden and then discovering that there's a whole, there's like original tiles underneath, or there was a whole kind of piece of work done on encouraging people to find their tiles in their doorways, so some of the houses around the park have like this beautiful period tiles. Lizzie, as well as having... Uh, a base in the area. Are you a resident here? No, I live not far away, but I'm not a resident. What, what does that mean? You've been very discreet. Um, I live about near Forest Gate. Oh no! So, twenty minutes. And should we, and be, always... should we be talking to you? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm here all the time. I work here all, you know, every day, and I have a studio here, and I'm completely like. I like being at my studio much more than I like being at home. So, still new, right? <laughs> We're like one. Yeah, community. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've always been in New Like I've always worked in New York. So, and it's not an obvious place to, to like either, is it? We know, of course, that it's one of the most impoverished boroughs. I think it might be the most impoverished borough, certainly of London. But there's a lot of shabbiness around, isn't there? And not not shabby chic either. I like that though. You do? I, yeah, I, I really do. Like I, I think it's interesting, and I think everywhere, all of London has been like that at one point or another and it's only really what people say about you know things change and areas get different and you know it's about people really isn't it so like there's lots of people everywhere in London like I remember when I started doing the studio thing and some of my friends saying to me um oh but you won't get people to come there and I was like there's people there there's already people there like what you on about I want people to just come from where they are. I'm just thinking of the uh, amount of investment in the sort of social things that you're talking about, yeah. you, know, you know, having provision for the people I think the uh, in the area. I think there's quite a strong sense of community in the area. There's a lot more going on here that brings lots of different parts of the community together than anywhere else that I've ever lived in London. So I've lived in East London for a long time and we lived in we lived in Stepney Green and Bethnal Green and then we moved up to North East, we lived in Stoke Newington and there was very few inclusive community activities that they, they tended to sway one side or the other, whereas in Newham there are a lot of inclusive community activities and a lot of community groups working together to to do stuff that's good for everyone and that makes an area feel nice and interesting and worth being part of so 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and the poverty thing, apparently um, Newham has gone from being fourth um, poorest down to 23rd this year, so it's made a dramatic... Nationally. Yeah, nationally. Mm-hmm. So I that has know. made a sort of dramatic increase. It, things are definitely looking up. What do you think that is, the Olympic legacy? Or? I, I have to say, yeah, I think part of it is, yeah. There's a lot more money being invested in the area and the council's working... Well, actually quite hard to kind of smarten things up and improve the lot they've got their li- red landlord licensing system things like that definitely helps oh, i was just going to say that also i think there's still lots of poverty definitely i don't think necessarily the poverty's got better i think that but there's more wealth as well now i think people moving in and things changing in other ways but there's definitely not lots less poverty i don't mm. think but i think it's more about the people making the changes than mm. those kind of investments necessarily there's a there's a desire for people individual people to pull together to make make some changes that they want to see and also to prevent changes that they don't want to see as well i think that's what's making the difference that's and a big that's deal isn't it you, you can be just totally disincentivized it might seem like such a sisyphan task to try and do anything about it that you, you don't bother just wanted to pause here because um just on this corner here is um I, w- I took a little bit about um, wartime in East Ham and we were quite lucky because there aren't many factories in this area so we did escape the worst of the bombing. But the, um, there's newly built um, property, well newly built, from the 60s which was where there was a direct hit um, and it was one of the worst nights of bombing in the war. It was the 19th of April in 1941 and... This house suffered a direct hit, but over that night, 153,000 incendiary bombs and 1,000 tonnes of high explosive were dropped on London, and it was like a terrible, terrible night in the history. Um, but this area was, this very place, was one of the places that Queen Elizabeth came to visit when she was doing her tours around visiting bombed-out places. So I'd just like to sort of talk about that while we're here as part of the tour. And now we're heading back towards the high street, away from the quietness, I'm afraid, for a bit. But do look, as you go around, um, we like to sort of see it's it's an interesting area. You hear lots of um, different languages and see all sorts of different kinds of clothing as well. And I think that's part of the richness of the area. That's one of the things I really like about it. Well, you think that's part of the richness of the area. As, as recent political events will remind us, other people that, uh, for other people that would be a big mark against the area hearing people speaking other languages the area has changed obviously over the years but london itself has always been a welcoming area for um, refugees and people coming from different countries but also people um, being recruited to come from other countries and this obviously was in essex until 50 years ago um, but part well, that wasn't obvious to me that's interesting <laughs> did you not know that? was that part of its identity do you think that it was Essex. Mm. Uh, Rather than just being an administrative fact, did it sort of perceive itself in that way, do you think? I think so. The people who lived here. So maybe that's why um, sometimes people talk about Essex as though it's some kind of wonderful utopia. I'm not sure. (laughs) 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 Do you like that? Um, So um, after the war, one of the things that happened was that new housing estates were being built in Essex, placed around Dagenham, Beckentree. And I think people looked 
to the houses they were ha- had here. These lovely terraced houses, of course, at the time had no indoor bathrooms or anything like that. And these new um, housing estates must have looked very attractive to people. And also, I think they were maybe seeing the possible closure of the docks coming and things like that. And so they moved out. And at the same time, that people were being recruited from the Commonwealth to work in the buses, NHS and things like that. And they came in and moved into the houses that were being vacated. And so over the years, different groups have moved out as they've made money, they've moved into bigger houses and things. And then more people have come in. Each lot kind of moves over to make room for the next lot. And they've always, as far as I can see, in this area, certainly people tend to rub along fairly well together. You know what I should do to test whether that's still happening? I know a little bit about what Liz does. What do you two do when you're not doing this? You're the new crop of residents. What do you do? Um, I'm a design studio manager for an advertising agency. Uh, I work for Charity Deaf Blind UK as an outreach officer. So you're both white collar. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, seem, you seem apprehensive about what's uh, That's a revealing. funny phrase to use. This like nowadays, I think you don't necessarily think about it in that way. So it's just a funny phrase to use because you kind of think, "Oh, am I?" Well, I guess I'm contrasting it to the manual jobs, to the hands-on jobs, um, those NHS jobs, the bus driver, the the dockers. These are people doing practical stuff rather than uh, administrative or office-based stuff. Yeah, but I mean, uh, we still, obviously, we have nurses living around here, but wouldn't be able to, people can't afford to buy here anymore. That's the sort of big difference, I guess, now. People are still renting, even though rents are going up as well as cost of housing to buy. But, yeah, it's it's going to be a problem for people like that, people who are doing ordinary kind of jobs, to to be able to afford even to live here at all soon, I think. I mean, I couldn't afford to buy my house now. Definitely not. It's gone up. You think, oh, that's nice, it's gone up in value, but it's only nice if you want to sell it and then go somewhere cheaper, which doesn't really happen, does it? So, um, yeah, if you're a landlord and then you want to sell, sell your property to get back the money, then I guess that's nice for them. But, um, yeah, it's a tricky one. Uh, we're back on the high street. Yep, we're just going to cross over the road. This is a bit more pedestrianised, this bit. Um, but, yeah, it's a traditional high street. You've got lots of big shops here, also kind of small do have a few fast food places but we do have some really good sort of local restaurants as well if you go a little bit further up past the station there's lots of um, really good restaurants there's, there's lots of really good south indian and sri lankan restaurants one of the first places that we tried when we moved in it's called the taste of india and it's at the top of the road um, and it's really traditional really good food and really cheap which is, I think, something there's quite a lot of restaurants like that in the area. I think they're really important for everybody to kind of test out. It kind of supports the local area and also it gives you something different to the kind of reams and reams of like standard restaurants that you tend to find in central London. So yeah, there's, um, there's some really interesting Indian restaurants, some really interesting um, Romanian and Polish restaurants. We've had a Filipino restaurant recently open, got a couple of really good Thai restaurants and they're kind of home-cooked food. I'm quite excited. Uh, Romanian and Filipino food, the, yeah. the two menus I, I've never touched. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, I've paused just outside the building that Primark is inhabiting at the moment because uh, there's a, a sort of a marbled frieze around it and it shows new and through the ages. Most of the images that we've passed so far have been of wartime. We've got some folk hiding in an Addison shelter here. There's that, that could be a Junker bomber flying over the top of them, but there's rubble all around. It looks as though Newham 
uh, suffered a fair bit. Maybe the bit we were just walking through didn't, but um, it looks like they've had some trouble. But you're saying if we go up to the end there, we get a more pleasant side to Newham's history? Well, it, it sort of starts from um, what we know about from the very beginnings of East Ham, particularly. Um, it was drained in the Middle Ages. Oh, Yes, we're going back in time piece by piece here. We've just uh, got to a, a group of cloth-capped 1920s well, workers and you can see one or two large buildings, what looks like a malt house, an host house maybe, a church steeple, and apart from that, the place is pastoral. Well, yeah, and there we have. Do you recognise that building. chap there? Do I recognise it? OK, now the chap here is uh, riding on a bucking horse. He's pointing a pistol at us. What, Dick Turpin? It is Dick Turpin, yeah. <laughs> there, he, um, he worked locally and he, he was, <laughs> as, well, as well as doing all, doing all his um, bad stuff and his girlfriend lived nearby as well. What do you mean he worked locally? What did he do? He worked. There you are. What did he, what did he, what was his occupation? Well, he he squin- started his infamous career here of, by stealing two oxen from a local farmer oh, in so Plasto. He did literally... So Start. He's still here. Yeah, there you are. So he was working. Can I just observe that the image we're being presented of, of him here—that uh, sentence didn't work. The image with which we are, br- no. <laughs> the picture of him here shows him on a horse. How do you nick two oxen if you're on a horse? That's not an easy thing to do, is it? The oxen would slow you down. I'm no expert on this. Maybe he nicked the oxen by hand and then stole a horse later on. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll buy that for convenience. <laughs> yeah. He sold the oxen to buy his horse. Yeah. There you go. You've got this all worked out, worryingly yeah, so. Definitely. And here we've got a Roman. Mike, that was an enormous jump we just did in history. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, in the picture, there are two oxen. <laughs> the very ones. <laughs> yeah, so um, this the church is um, still standing, St Mary Magdalene. Um, it's right down too far away for our walk today, sadly. Um, but it's um, got a nature reserve attached, which is the largest nature reserve in london and it's very nice um, that was built by the norman circuit 1150 there you go yeah. really rather odd that they've got a roman soldier standing outside <laughs> maybe he's lost yeah well there there is a roman road just nearby so presumably that's what that's um representing okay well i hope we're all clear on that now that's the history of the area uh, yeah, so we're going back. We should really have done that the other way. Yeah, well, now we're going back down the street. We should have done it this way. <laughs> this is why I'm yeah. no, so it was drained and it was it was used for grazing initially, and then they planted potatoes until the um, potato crop failed, and then they planted cabbages and onions, and so this was all cabbage and onion fields right up to the um, very beginning of 20th century. Well, I would never have guessed that, to be honest. No, That no. this was the, the onion heart of London. Well, no, this wasn't London at all at that point, was it? No, it was Essex. Yeah, definitely. Out in the onion fields of Essex. Yeah, um, people used to be... Because it, it was still, even though when it was drained, it was still a little bit damp, I guess. Um, and there used to be lots of marsh mists and things. So people were frightened to go out at night because they thought the whole area was haunted. They smell a bit of foul, rotting greens and things, apparently. So it doesn't sound too great, does it? No. I was fairly certain at the beginning of this conversation we were going to get the positive spin of the area. <laughs> oh, I'm well. fairly sure you just used the, uh, <laughs> the, the word foul and rotten. That was back in the day. Oh, like, I see. You know, many, many hundreds of years ago. Um, this is a Romanian bakery, which is rather lovely. 
Oh, cancel everything. Look at this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's an exquisite smell. It's pretty good, isn't it? Fantastic decorative plates. Yeah. Do you, would you mind? Could I just give you the mic and uh, see you back here in an hour? Maybe would that be okay? <laughs> Get some takeaway. My favourite out of the cakes on display in the window here, and there are uh, several amazing creative pieces, including a piano with a Dali-esque melted keyboard. But the one that really attracts my attention is the one that's been made to look like a rock pool upon which a mermaid made out of cake icing and a Barbie doll is reclining whilst a Nemo-esque, larger-than-life fish sits nearby. You'd be scared to eat that, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, definitely. For so many reasons. <laughs> well, let's move on. We're in the, uh, the throbbing commercial heart of East Ham now I'd say what's our next stop? Just peeking over the top of the houses there is a beautiful Newham Town Hall which I like to call our own St Pancras (laughs) Yeah, no I can see that It's got some of that high gothic going on doesn't it? Yeah, it's quite a mixture of of things It's got a bit of the touch of the Loire Chateau as well What's it doing here? Well, it's... it's, it's, No, I mean... did somebody what, just go the, woo what? in the background? Did you just <laughs> no, say woo? No, I didn't. I think that was uh, somebody else. Somebody else in the background definitely wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, they stole it and we've got some Accrington brick, which is obviously... Sorry, did you... Uh, no, wait a minute. What, they, I just came back to you and you said they stole it. Who stole what? Stole it from the Loire Chateau. No, they didn't really. Just copied the design. Uh, I can't I can't get a full eyeful of this at the moment because it's hiding behind another building, but it's enormous. It was built in 1902, um, and it was on the site of a cabbage field. And what happened was they carried on building bits in the same style up to 1913. So it's quite a large complex, including a library funded by Carnegie and the fire station. So we're starting to see, I, I think this must be part of the complex, the brickwork looks... Similar. Well, it's enormous. And why? 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 It's a grand area. Well, it wasn't. It was in a cabbage field. It was impressive, field. though. But, it was, but the Victorians made but, it impressive. But they've only just put they the district line in. 1902, they've just put the district line in. But, I, but that's what I think it was, wasn't it, to do with wanting to create a kind of town where people lived. Like they, It was kind of done on purpose. I don't think it was like some bits which kind of grow have grown more organically. No, there's nothing organic about this. This is like the uh, the library of Alexandria being transplanted. It is. But it's completely out of keeping with everything else going on here. But it wouldn't have been. Yes, it would. I mean, look look back down that way. All you can see is uh, two-storey housing as far as the eye can see. And then... This great maybe thing. Actually, maybe you're Just, right. Yes. Let's make yeah. a statement, isn't it? It is. Yeah, like, this is really important. This is our great town that we've built. Yeah. And look, here, this is where we do all the business. Because, yeah, that's what, you know, town halls, they are often like this. I think this looks like the, the idea behind this is that you should come and worship. But it's an administrative building rather than a religious building. And that, I think, says probably a lot about the last days of the empire, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that, that sounded good. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> and it's a public hall, so they used to have dances there as well. So, um, yeah, that's quite a, a big thing, the dance there. And um, Bert Whedon played in his orchestra there as well. This is being taken over by Newham College now, um, and the town hall has been sort of rebuilt, the administrative stuff, along with the library, just a 
bit further up which you can kind of see but you can still use the hall and I'm actually going to a Nigerian wedding engagement party there in a couple of weeks so it's like still really ornate and lovely inside so yeah the modern building that you can see just a little bit further up that's that's got all the council business goes on there now um so yeah this is gonna one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care that's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Be part of the college, really. Well, it's very impressive and it opens the place out in a way I wouldn't have imagined possible when we left the station there. It does feel now like we were down a side road. Yeah. I think there's some really lovely and interesting architectural pieces in East Ham from the town hall and some of the kind of local pubs that were obviously built like later. When was the Berlin built? Um, that was 1899. Oh, was it? So, yeah. Oh, I didn't realise that. I thought it yeah. was so it was actually around the same time. And this one... Um, Denmark Arms. Denmark yeah. Arms. But, and they're really kind of beautiful period buildings. But then there's also some quite interesting more modern architecture there's some quite interesting kind of brutalist kind of um tower blocks as well (laughs) no 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 but i think it's just uh, interestingly in the area there is quite a few very beautiful buildings for all tastes and measures basically there's quite a lot Mm. of things that are nice to look at are you into brutalism not necessarily but there are a couple when you say not necessarily do you mean not because when people say brutalism is interesting it's a little bit like if you if you've got a big wart on your leg that would be interesting (laughs) I don't, I don't necessarily agree. Um, I think that there are some very striking buildings in East Ham. Striking. Some of which are brutal, some of which are beautiful, as you can see. And I think that there's a balance to be had. So it was really just in case anybody else was interested in brutalist architecture, I thought they might like to know. I shouldn't imagine that's possible. <laughs> uh, which way are we going? Straight over. Straight over the road. Oh, are we going there? No, Sue's going a different direction. All right. Sue's got plans. Sure does. <laughs> She's a woman of plans. We're heading now towards the park, and so we're just cutting along the Barking Road, which is a road that I quite enjoy because it's, again, like coming together of lots of kind of different diverse kind of areas and food and, like, lots of Polish supermarkets, which is quite fun. They seem to get some really good stuff in there. And one of our um, favourite restaurants is just up here called Tippy's Cafe, which is a really nice place to stop and have a cup of tea, or you can grab some Thai food, so... 
really good, isn't it? Yeah, it the is Thai really food good. is amazing. The best ever. You you two look like you know each other quite well. How do you yeah, how do you know each other? Have you never met each other before? No, we have met. You have met. Because Rachel's yeah. comes lots of things that I've done. Yeah. And we've just yeah. It's the kind studio. of yeah, community relationships. We met we met through the area because of East Blam and Red Door, and because of that, kind of spent time together. So it's yeah, it's a it's a proof of uh, community activity. <laughs> Try and cross promote to be honest, um, because there's a lot of different groups doing different things, and I think we try and support each other then it means that it's accessible for everybody you're better at it than me <laughs> she's better at promoting me than I am <laughs> well you put on the gigs and bake the bread and I'll, uh, I'll do the social media exactly that suits me great <laughs> <Deal>. <laughs> we're off down a quieter street now past St Bartholomew's Court so the house on the right this is the oldest house in East Ham from 1840 so it's a nursery now, but it used to be, um, amongst other things, it was the vicarage for the church, which was... This was a vicarage? This was the vicarage for the church, which was on the main road, but which was badly bombed in the war and has been rebuilt to make it into a surgery, a church and um, some sheltered housing. If you've got a picture of a vicarage in your mind, erase that picture. This is... Uh, Georgian in style really and I would like you to cast your mind back to the last time you saw a BBC adaptation of Sense and Sensibility and picture one of the impressive townhouses for a family of 15. That's what you're looking at here it doesn't have the sort of humility that you would expect of a vicarage at all, quite grand About East Ham is the, is the contradictions and the kind of the different things that all come together so you can be on the high street which is really bustling and busy and there's a lot of things going on and a lot of like contradictory kind of things that you're seeing lots of different communities and groups coming together and then you can like dive off down a side road and come face to face with this building that looks like really it should be I don't know in Buxton somewhere or Mm. you know in a little village in the Peak District and the town hall which like you said could just as easily be kind of standing next to St Pancras looking like it would fit into that skyline so there's a whole bunch of different things going on and it's what it's what makes it really interesting to just have a wonder it gives us a cue as well to think that in amongst the misty oniony potatoey farming fields the church is doing very nicely thank you very much yeah sure i'm sure it was i wonder if it tells you something also about our assumptions about the fields was that the area was still relatively poor but if you look at the town hall and you look at the church hall actually there was quite a lot of investment in the area yeah, it might be a reasonable of, assumption to yeah come and to. somebody owned the land yeah. i guess because it was sort of tenant farmers where we're going to the park in a minute that was actually donated from the grounds of rancliffe house so somebody had a like a very big house yeah. with enough grounds to be able to just give a, a, a huge chunk of it yeah. away did they um the people that owned the park i don't know if you know the answer to this or not but um, he built all the the terraced houses right around the park didn't it that was yeah, all was kind of it was their farmers. land um yeah. so basically they kind of sold bits of it off um but it was his descendants but one of the things that we do know though um when they had the potato crop they had some irish workers that came were brought over from Ireland especially to um, manage the potato crop because they knew what they were doing and they lived in some houses called Salt Box Row which I presume were not particularly well-built houses 
especially for them, but they're not there anymore. There's lots more of those by the docks as well. Like there's loads of workers' houses by the mm. smaller houses, Silvertown and yeah, everywhere. Like that's very different to the bigger, wider streets here, which obviously a bit more luxurious. Yeah, certainly down at Silvertown, some of the houses were really, really poorly built and very small. Yeah, that would be worth about uh, six hundred thousand now. <laughs> No, by the not, end, by the end of this broadcast, they'll be worth about seven. Right. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Canning Town and all around there, there's a lot of rebuilding going on. Uh, we're turning right out of St Bartholomew's Road. We're on a mystery road. Uh, so this is Central Park Road, and you can see these houses are quite a bit bigger than some of the others that we've gone past. So well, they're a little, yeah. These are still reasonably compact, but certainly pressed in. Yeah, terraced houses still, but yeah. They're really, really long, some of the roads as well. Like, I, I, when I was looking for somewhere to live around here, I looked in Manor Park um, just to rent, you know. I got out at one, I can't remember where Manor Park or something, and then walked down the road thinking, oh, it'll be like a minute. And then it was like 15 or 20 minutes walking down the road. I was like, oh my God, this is so long. They're all the same. And then I got there and the first thing the guy said to me was, you're late. And I was like, oh my God. Yes, yes, I am. It's a really long road. Yeah. And I said that, and he was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and you always start at the wrong end, don't you? Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, one, and I need 306. One of the things um, we wanted to talk a little bit about was the community market we set up, which it doesn't take place right here in this park. It's a little, a few streets I, away. I should say we are not in a park. We're nearly in the park. <laughs> okay. We are. It's just oh, na- there. OK, it's just there. <laughs> very close to um, and it's something we we set it up because we wanted to um, bring people together and also we thought it would be quite nice to have a market where people could sell their things that they'd made themselves, so like cakes and um, uh, pots and all sorts of things, yeah. local people, and at, at prices that the people who live in this area could afford because some of the craft markets and things are quite expensive, um, but our market's more it's priced for the people who live here um it's also it's not anywhere near a tube station so you're not going to get your footfall that you get from a lot of places and and that's worked really well and one of the things it's done it's enabled people to meet each other meet their neighbors and things because we found that there are a lot of people who'd really like to get to know other people in the area but there isn't necessarily the opportunity that they found to do that so it was an interesting side effect of the market almost because we'd set it up and it was in um we ran the first one in brampton park which is another park just down the road and the intention was to support local makers and kind of just get everyone together but it was about trade for the area and supporting local shops and things and then a surprising side effect was that lots of people came and had a cup of tea and got chatting and met their neighbours and then kind of came to the next one to meet their neighbours and brought their kids and stuff yeah. like that. So it kind of became a social hub as well, which was a really nice side effect mm. to setting up a community market, kind of to be added on the community. <laughs> yeah, it's worked really well. Yeah. Various other initiatives have sort of come Spun from off. that, really. Yeah. Seems a little bit dangerous, though. This goes against my sensibilities as a Londoner to to talk to your neighbours yes absolutely but it's also one of the things that makes it so nice one of the reasons that I particularly have enjoyed living here is I didn't know my neighbours in Stepney Green or Stoke Newington and now I know a number of them and it makes you feel part of something I think it's important it's something that sometimes we lose as Londoners and we could do with having back
think those people are limbering up. I want to describe what we're seeing, though, <laughs> which is it looks like two people testing the strength of the park benches. <laughs> I mean, he looks like he's going for a jog. She looks like she's just stopped her push chair and is assisting him in testing the back of that bench. That might be what happened. I think, I think you're Does right. she know he's limbering up rather than <laughs> fixing sure. it? I think, yeah, she's, she's making sure that it's safe. OK, what, what I think we should do, because there's enough space, I think we should all go over there and just start doing the same thing without any explanation. Are you game? Go on, then you first. Oh, thank you very much. Sounds risky, sounds risky. <laughs> I was going to ask you about the, the whole blogging thing. With you being at these community events and with people knowing that you are blogging about them, does that alter how people comport themselves in your presence? Um, not so much, mostly because I try not to let everybody know that I'm blogging Um and be the face of that so I don't kind of walk in and go hi I'm a blogger give me something free and tell me something yeah Yeah. I try and enjoy the events and people talk to you because they're interested and they're proud of what they're doing and that's kind of the intention rather than rather than successful blog kind of information available to people and I think people come at it from a different angle when you do it that way so so no so far it hasn't I don't think it has anyway (laughs) Uh, we stopped by a fountain, which I'm sure should be doing more than it's doing, but it, uh, maybe at certain times of the day it, uh, yeah, it becomes... It has water, but it's not um, switched on. So whether that's yesterday's rainwater or not, I'm not quite sure. So you can see there are four urns in this area, which was re-landscaped. Mm. Um, it's um, 2010, and the urns used to be on the roof of the co-op building. Um, until it was taken, it was knocked down, but somebody thought, oh, these urns are too nice to throw away, so they put them in the park, which is there's rather a few, pleasant. There's a few things like that, isn't there, in, in this park, because they've still got the lampposts from the train that used to... There used to be a, yeah. a little kid's train, and they've kept the little the little lampposts that kind of signify that this is where the entrance to the train was and there's the the co-op urns and there's a few other like little historical things kind of it's like a good place to kind of capture a little bit of East Ham's history isn't yeah it? and yeah. there are some little signs aren't yeah. there as well which tell you things like that and yeah. there's some nice notice boards as well give you a bit of historical background can we have the cream of that can we have fa- facts about the park a fact about the park there used to be an open air theatre here and they've put kind of supports which are showing where the actual um, curtains used to be, apparently. Um, Yeah, that's what those are there. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I discovered that. Um, There's a guy uh, who's about 94, and he comes here twice a week and meets people, and they walk do two circuits of the park um, without talking to each other mostly. But it's quite (laughs) sweet, but it's like a little bit of exercise. And he's been doing it for years and years and years, and, yeah, he told me that. We need uh, to get someone to come and put a show on. Definitely. Like a new show on in the flat in the nature reserve part in the flower bed. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely something to work on. <laughs> yeah, and um, where the tennis courts are, there used to be an open air pool. So we're going to go back out this way, um, up towards the cafe, which is closed at the moment. Well, the cafe's closed at the moment, and it's um, something that's been sporadically open in East Ham. So it was it was sort of <laughs> traditionally opens for about six months and then shuts down. What, under different owners? Or? Um, yeah, well, it's council-owned, and the council have been looking for um, a relationship like with somebody to run it for them. Liz, she, she goes for this sort of thing. <laughs> exactly. So, just, yeah, just invite her along for a cup of tea, she'll end up owning the place. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. 
Um, so yeah, the council have been kind of t- tendering it for a while, and hopefully the council are looking for um, somebody to open a community space in there. They haven't found anybody yet, but we're all hoping that that they will soon because it's a really it, it's kind of a central part of the park. Um, and something that I think has been missing for a little while, so it would be. Oh, it's one of those kind of cafes. Yeah, so it was lottery funded, so the building. Oh, your point. Oh, this is it here. Yeah, this is the cafe. Ah, here. right. So we're looking at like a, a, a very extravagant shed. Where you can very <laughs> easily imagine these shutters pulling aside to reveal a, a really usable space here in the centre of the park. Yeah. So, um, so it was lottery funded. I think maybe three or four years ago. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure to build the building for exactly that reason and then for one reason or another it doesn't seem to have managed to stay open so I think it's something that would be really good to see back open and supporting the area I know the council are keen to have community activities in there and to work with somebody who wants to kind of support the community through the space Seems like a bit of a no-brainer but then we're saying that on a lovely summer's day Uh, I wonder if this is a seasonal issue Yes, perhaps because there's a few other parts with similar sorts of buildings and some of them have been a, a roaring success and others seem to be suffering the same sort of... And it's got all those doors that all open out. They need to yeah. all be open, really. Yeah. You can't kind of be in it with them shut. It doesn't work. So it needs yeah. to be able to be warm enough to be, you know... Yeah, potentially. I mean, even if they had it open six months of the year, I think it would be worth doing. Yeah, yeah so this um, sculpture here is... There are a couple of them and it was from 2012. So it's a, an Olympic gymnast sculpture and the sculpture we're looking at well if I didn't know better I'd say it was somebody who it looks like a corpse honestly I'm sure this isn't the intention oh it's a back bend it looks like someone who's been murdered and their body placed over their their own tombstone (laughs) oh dear that's a morbid way to look at it, I think. <laughs> I'm going to photograph this, and the uh, listener, tell me if I'm not right about this. I knew I should have shown you the weightlifter one. <laughs> <laughs> I've made an assumption uh, with your interests. Are you an artist yourself? Yeah, I am, yeah. yeah. What sort of artist are you? Um, I do have done lots of different things, but at the moment I'm doing, I'm just drawing. But v- Visual arts? Yeah. What do you think of this? Um, it's not my favourite. <laughs> but, you know. But it is alright. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We have these great events in the park and they're put on by the council for free. And they have the, the Newham Show, which is two, two days of light, a traditional kind of country show with jam making and things. And also have... Um, like a bit of music, um, children's entertainment, all sorts of things like that. And then we have four nights of live music, free, um, called Under the Stars. And we have the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra doing the last night with firework display. But we have a, like a rock night, a pop night, a, um, like a bangla night, and yeah, and the like traditional reggae night. Oh, reggae night. And that all happens on this spot. Mm, over there. Yeah, so they've got... Who have they got this year? They've got... I have got my magazine, because I couldn't you know, I couldn't remember who all the different people were. So, <laughs> talk amongst yourselves while I find... Well, I'm going to talk amongst myself. Uh, it's what I do. As we come over to the other side of the park, we can see, I would say, a slightly more spacious sort of architecture going on. We're being directed away from it by Sue, <laughs> who wants Sorry. us to remain in the park. She will not let us leave. You can go that way. 
we can check out any time we like. And we can go around the yeah. edge of we the can, bowling well, we, or we, we can leave. Yes, anyway. <laughs> direction. Go on. So, I can tell you who is going to be performing here. Junior Marvin's <laughs> Whalers, is that? Yeah. Um, Carol Thompson. Um, and we've got... What's the first one again? Junior Marvin's Whalers. Is that three different acts? Or? No, no, that's, that's um, smooth reggae classics. <laughs> <laughs> he was Junior Marvin was an original member of Bob Marley and the Whalers. There you go. So that's where the Whalers. I'm really from. hoping that you moonlight as a DJ. <laughs> I would listen to your show. <laughs> uh, look, Saturday we've got Bjorn again, Alexandra O'Neill, and Heatwave. So good classic thing. But it's all free. <laughs> you're yeah. such an uh, you're such an aggressive announcer. <laughs> <laughs> listen to this. It's music. <laughs> Uh, you're going to be comparing, right? <laughs> no, no, I will be here though. Just attending. Coming We're coming up for our fifth complete circuit of the park now. <laughs> I'm thinking about writing to my relatives to let them know where I am. <laughs> See, did you want to talk about the war memorial? <laughs> yeah. So will are... it get me out of here? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, sure. Is that yeah. the price I have to pay yes, to leave? Yes. Right, tell me okay, about the war memorial. So, this is our own cenotaph designed in the style of Luchens. Um, by the Mayor of East Ham, Robert Banks Martin. And um, what they've done recently, there were five people who were awarded the Victoria Cross in World War One from Newham, and they have um, made this year, they've made a plaque for each one and had a big ceremony to unveil them and everything. Where are the plaques? On the, on the memorial itself? Um, they're sort of next, next to it. And the latest one was... Uh, boy called Jack Cornwell who's one of the youngest people to be awarded it and he was only 16 and he was a boy um, in the Navy and his ceremony was the other week I think the plaque isn't actually in position yet they're probably getting it already but these are two uh, that were here Second Lieutenant Edgar Miles Midshipman George Drury looks like there's a space there where somebody else might have their plaque these stones were laid to one of the brave men of East Ham and West Ham who were awarded the Victoria Cross during World War One. The whole East Ham, West Ham thing, is it actually different sides of the same town or are they distinct units? They were distinct units and now they've been joined together to make Newham. West Ham is very well connected. Um, I preferred this bit because it's got much more um, traditional housing and they, they did suffer quite a lot in the war. It's um, had a lot of a bomb damage things like that. Did they make the mistake of having factories there? I think they must have done, yeah. So we only had the odd little factory, which was things like fish skin drying and horse boiling, so they weren't really horse in the boiling? heart of, um, yeah, not in the heart of the community. Where did we boil the horses? No, why did you boil the horses? <laughs> <laughs> not where, why? <laughs> Somewhere far away, and presumably to make glue and byproducts oh, with the things. Yeah, in East Ham, but like not you know on the edge Beckton out the it's probably back yeah Beckton out like, we should talk about Beckton <laughs> I think we run out of time to talk yeah, about yeah, Beckton we need, to go to, yeah, yeah, so we need to go to Red Door <laughs> right I think I've worked out the dynamics here uh, Liz you're the loose cannon here <laughs> you say the thing you shouldn't have said and these two being far more diplomatic try to uh, wallpaper over your mistake <laughs> no. which means we now have to talk about Beckton no Beckton's interesting it's just we were Uh-oh. just worried about time <laughs> You have to Beckton talk about Beckton. Used to have a dry ski slope called mm-hmm. Beckton Alp, and it's got 
it's got an amazing view from the top of it and it's really strange to go up to the top now it's all derelict and like have you been up to the top yeah it's amazing you can 360 degree view of as far as you can see london it's amazing didn't they have a film studio up there as well because wasn't the blur video filmed up there or something oh i don't Uh, know yeah i think i think it was yeah and And um, it's all gone now a full metal jacket full metal jacket yeah that was filmed in Brighton. it might they built a whole, the whole, you know, war-torn bit there with palm trees. You know, Stanley Kubrick wouldn't leave the country. He wanted to film everything here, so they had to build the war-torn. Yeah, and they mm. set apparently they set fire to tyres to create the like um, and the smoke and that, and people didn't really like it who lived there. Well, well it, it obscures the smell of the boiling horses <laughs> yes. and the sewer. <laughs> <laughs> Right, we're going to head down to Red Door. Yeah. Oh, we're leaving the park. Yes, we're leaving the park. No, that's not a very nice attitude at all, is it? It's a beautiful park. It is a beautiful park. And we are heading to Red Door Studio. It's right here. Is it? Two minutes. Liz has produced from her bag the biggest set of keys you've ever seen. And we're stopping at a set of Red Doors. We're here. We're in a greenhouse. We're in a a sort of a lean-to affair, which is letting in the sunshine. And lots of found furniture here, which is a very pleasing thing. Through another red door into a glorious area. White tiles, wood beams... Enormous Scrabble tiles in the corner next to the Welsh dresser. A piano in the corner. And some of the most... Uh, well, I think those chairs have been stolen from a wedding. <laughs> the hire company is missing three of them. I don't like these chairs. I, tried to, I thought they might be better if they were... They're already over the top. If they were really over the top and gold. That's why I did one of them gold, to try and make them a bit more OTT, to make them better. <laughs> So we're here, we're at Red Door. So What's your, what's your speech? I, I know you're bad at promoting yourself. And do you know what, yeah. actually, I've just realised, if you're bad at promoting yourself. Should I, Rachel, should I tell us it? about Red Door. <laughs> um, well, you might have to do the history, Liz, but it's an artist studios, and they also run community, well, they also run art events, music events. Recently they've had a short film festival and film nights, which has been amazing. You run... Um, life drawing occasionally and you have some artists in residence which maybe you might want to talk about I think you can take over now okay teacher <laughs> yeah I know that, that's, that's about right um <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're mainly artist studios which is kind of the rest of the building but I like working with people as well and so we wanted to keep this space open sometimes not all the time to the public and um and so yeah we do we work with usually always actually with local people who come usually come to me because it's a very grassroots DIY venture it's not we don't have funding and I've kind of wanted to do things with people who want to do things and they have to really want to do things to do it because it has I'm not organizing everything I'll do lots of helping and stuff but yeah so we we have a few different events that happen and also I work here all the time on my other stuff, so everything that is in here is kind of collected by me and part of my life, really. And so, 
there's lots of artwork and different objects and things that are here and it's not the kind of I haven't just bought things and put them in to make it feel like a certain kind of atmosphere that every single thing is kind of different and interesting so there's lots of stories about the building and it's a lovely building and it's all completely been left and it's always been a workshop it's an industrial building even though it's small and it's Victorian and so everything, you know, all the tiles are very, very worn. That's because there's been lots of kind of, there's been furnaces and there's been lots of quite hard work going on in here for a long time. So that's another thing that I think is important is to keep things, it's a place where things are made and produced and by hand, you know, not en masse. Yeah, that's the idea, really. So you are now the, the supervisor, the caretaker? Uh, yeah, the... yeah. I never know what to call myself, ever. I think caretaker is a good one. <laughs> But um, yeah, but I run all the I run what happens here, and I run a, a cafe on Saturdays. Not every Saturday, sometimes, and and I organise the things that happen as well. And so, I work on my own stuff from here as well. It's a truly wonderful spot. It's got a very comfortable vibe. I was a few episodes ago, we were at Leighton House, and in other episodes, we've also been in the homes of artists. And um, or in the in the places where the the private, the personal, and the the showroom cross over with each other, and uh, yeah, and I, I wondered how 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 easy are you with that idea of letting people into your I like person, personality, I suppose. I mean, sometimes I guess it's no, I like it because I think there's a lack of it in everywhere, really, probably mainly in London. I don't know, but there's a lack of kind of real personal things and I want people to come in and it's different and it's part of a personality you know I think that it's not generic and it brings us kind of to a conclusion where I've noticed that we're all, now we're all sitting comfortably there's a need for tea and uh, t- tea and podcasts are not usually terrifically compatible so it might be a, a time to sort of start to draw to a close really thank you all for today and for the tour of East Ham, I want to just draw people's attention to your various projects very specifically so people can dig in and find out more if they feel so inclined or if they're in the area they know what to drop into and keep an eye out for. Sue, how would you like to connect with people? Um, well, I've got a website which is suesintonsmith.com. Which is a great name, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> and also in the area we've got Grapefield South is, East Ham South, sorry, is our Twitter name. Um, which is the Greatfield Residents Association, so that's involved in all the market and all those kind of things. Um, and footprintsoflondon.com is the tour guides. How about you, Rachel? You can find the blog at eastblam.co.uk, um, and we're on all the usual social media channels, so you can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as well. You can also find information about Red Door and about Footprints on there, so it's quite a good central hub for information for East Ham. Oh, and don't forget, we've got the new WI that's just started, East Edge Sisters. You can find them on Twitter as well. What have you got coming up here, Les? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> that's that nose for marketing kicking in again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, no, we do have a Facebook. It's Red Door Z6. And we are open on Saturdays. Not all Saturdays, so some Saturdays. <laughs> but but I usually try and open the th- every, um, every Saturday except the last Saturday of the month. And we have really good homemade cake and homemade bread and other lovely food and tea and coffee and you can come in and sit <laughs> Susan Smith, Rachel Matthews Liz Clough, thanks very much Thank, Thank you, you. Thank you.
And that's all for this week. My thanks for this week to Liz Clough, Sue Stinton Smith, and Rachel Matthews. Thanks too to Bernie Barkley. Theme and incidental music was by Songs from the Howling Sea. I'm N. Quentin Wolfe. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.